Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 69 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. Welcome back to the regular listeners, and an extra big welcome if this is your first episode. My guest this week is Christine Kelleher, and she's going to be talking about Kirby. But first, in some doggy news, in Wilmington, North Carolina in the USA. A couple of years ago, a lady was cleaning up and put up some old wind chimes, uh, a little bit low in the yard, and her golden retriever puppy, Blue, was attracted to them and he'd walk through them and enjoying the noise that they made. Uh, he then took it a step further and started howling or singing when he walked through the chimes. Uh, fast forward a couple of years and Bo's pet guardian took some video and it has now clocked up, I think, over 20 million views. At this stage, I don't think he has a recording contract yet. We now go down to Mexico, and this is a little bit of an older story, but a local stray dog hanging around a convenience store, and the staff felt a little bit sorry, so they started giving him a few tidbits of which they provided, and they then took it to the next level when the temperatures were hitting over 105 degrees Fahrenheit, it's a bit over 40 degrees Celsius. So they opened the doors and the dog took up the invitation to come inside and cool itself down on the tiled floors. What happened then was as customers came through, they started buying treats for the dog. So nice to see Kindness going towards our canine friends. And now, this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here with Christine Kelleher. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I am fantastic. Thank you very much. So, whereabouts in the world are you? I currently live um, in the mid-coast of Maine in a town called South Thomaston. Ah, nice, nice. And who are we going to talk about today? Uh, my past uh, police canine partner, Kirby. Kirby. Wonderful. So as per usual, I'm going to ask you to take us back in time to just before you met Kirby and talk to us about the, the hows and whys that that happened. Uh, prior to, um, to uh, meeting Kirby, I... I was a, um, a canine handler in, 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 a, in the Ben Salem Township Police Department right outside Philadelphia. I had a canine partner um, 
a yellow lab by the name of Cosmo. She was my drug detector dog, and we did a fantastic job together. We were assigned to um, the Philadelphia DEA um, Drug Drug Enforcement Administration Task Force, and um, you know we were getting a lot of great drug jobs down there. Things were going really well, but um, Cosmo was getting to the point where um, you know her hips were starting to fail, and she needed to be um, retired. I went from Cosmo to another yellow lab. Um, named chaos he worked with me for six months before finding out he had a brain tumor oh he was he yeah it was it was tough he he was removed from um the road and um lived out the rest of his life with me and then um and then uh you know the decision obviously was made that chaos would have to be replaced so the trainer that i was working with perry parks him and i went to uh um sanford north carolina and met with uh Jerry Bradshaw from, yes, Tar Heel Canine. Um, so we met with Jerry, and um, Jerry showed me two Labrador Retrievers that I was not, I was not really head over heels for. And I asked him, I said, "Do you have a, um, do you have any German Shepherds?" And he said that he had a, a couple small females that um, I might be interested in. He brought the uh, females out, and I watched one, and I was impressed by her. And then um, this girl brings out um, Kirby, who ends up being my partner. And she just, she made me and, and, and the trainer I was with, they, she made a speechless, she made a speechless when she came out. Um, you know, she was full of drive. It was like, just tell me what to do and get out of my way attitude. And um, the testing uh, process went, went fantastic. Uh, we had, um, it went nice and smooth. She did everything we asked of her. And um, I was just from, from that point on, I was head over heels for her. So I think was she cost eight hundred dollars more than a Labrador Retriever. So I called I called the department and um, had a long talk with the boss and you know to explain why I needed eight hundred dollars and that this was absolutely positively the right dog that we wouldn't that, you know we couldn't go wrong with this dog and and they agreed to uh, the fund the extra eight hundred dollars to uh, for me to purchase her and bring her back. Oh, nice, nice. And how was that initial bringing back and she stay at straight to your place or yeah we um we drove it, it was probably about a 13 hour drive we drove down we picked her up we got home about three o'clock in the morning i had a kennel set up for her in the in the garage at my house i didn't know how she would be with the other dogs in my house um the next morning our um canine unit the patrol end of our canine unit was was training so we went up to their training so everybody could meet her and that so that my um my supervisor could um test her out and see, see her, um, for himself. And, um, you know, she was, she was still on fire. She just, she wanted to go, she wanted to work. Um, she was two and a half years old. I, you know, I, I, I thought that was fairly old for to start a dog, but, um, you know, it, it just, it just seemed right. So, um, you know, everybody, everybody liked her from the get go. And, um, and then the, the, the day after two days later, we, uh, we started our initial training. Oh, nice. So what other dogs did you have at home at the time? I had my retired dog, Cosmo. Mm -hmm. um, Chaos was still around, the one with the brain tumor. And I had a, uh, a, a pet dog that was a Bernese Mountain dog at the time. Okay. And how did they, where did they sort of uh, reside in the household? Um, they, they were always loose in the house. There was never an issue with them. Um, Kirby at first did not, um, did not gel well with other dogs. Um, it, it, it was, a, it was a tough introduction into the house. She, uh, 
she was very high drive and, and um, not knowing her background and everything. She just, um, it, you know, she was just always prey driven and um, she acted, it was more like a, a prey drive issue with the, in the house and, and not an aggression issue, but it was very difficult to have her around the other dogs at first. Okay. And can you um, tell us a little bit about the initial training that you had with her and the, and the bonding? Um, we, we trained over in, um, in New Jersey with um, absolute um, control dog training. Uh, my trainer is Perry Parks at the time. This is prior to me becoming a trainer. And um, we hit the ground running. She, uh, she didn't miss a beat. Um, she picked up right away what we were doing, how we were doing it. And um, it, was, I, it was pretty much flawless. I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, it was just a, a fantastic experience with a really great dog. Mm-hmm. And what was her specialized area of, of training? What sort of – was she going to be used as a dual purpose or – um, she had the potential for dual purpose, but I, um, we strictly worked, um, we did drug detection, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, um, crack cocaine, methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. That's what she was used to, uh, detect. Okay. And how long before you were taking her out on active duty? Uh, it was, um, the, the initial training was about, um, it was about, uh, two months. And then we um, then, then we hit the road. Oh, nice, nice. So, do you remember the first shift that you did with her? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember the first find. There, there, there were just so many with her. But um, she, uh, um, you know, she hit the ground running. Like I said, and, and we um, being down on the DEA task force, we were all over the place. We were at Philadelphia Airport. We were. You know, we, we were searching houses, we were searching cars, we were working um, the UPS facilities, the FedEx facilities, uh, working with the uh, U.S. Postal Inspectors on, uh, you know, potential drug boxes coming through the U.S. mail. Um, we worked with the FBI, the ATF. Uh, we, were, we were pretty much all over the place. Okay. Um, the training, what was the, like, primary rewards that you used with, with her? Um, I can't imagine that it tasted very good, but, um, she just loved that tennis ball. <laughs> she was obsessed with it. <laughs> so there goes the, and, uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily just the, the tennis ball. It was, um, it was the ability to play tug of war at the tennis ball. So she could search a room with a hundred tennis balls in that room and she would ignore every single tennis ball until she found the drugs because she knew that I would not play tug of war with any of those tennis balls with her unless she found the drugs. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, so she just, she lived, she lived for the game of tug of war with me. So that's a little bit of a, a variant tug of war with the tennis ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, uh, you know, I would just put a string through the ball and, and, um, you know, she, she would destroy them left and right, but you know, at least they were on the cheaper side and, um, you know, and she just, she lived for it. I mean, you know, she, she could have a tennis ball in her mouth. She would, but she knew when it was time to come go to work that if I was going to play tennis ball with that tennis ball with her, then she would have to find the drugs. Mm-hmm. Did she have any other sort of like favorite toys or things that you sort of not like? Not really. Yep. No, not really. She just, uh, you know, it was all about the tennis ball. Um, I had been to training with other trainers and they would, um, a lot of trainers use like a, a towel that's, that's, uh, that's rolled up and, mm-hmm. and tied off. And, 
And if she was finding, if she was, you know, scratching at a at a at an area where there were drugs, and somebody threw a rag in like that, she would just look at it and continue to continue to dig for the drugs because her tennis ball wasn't there. She could have cared less about anything else. It was just all about that that ball. Ah, uh, so that 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 sort of drilled down focus. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Um, how was she with with any other? or many other canine units where you were initially? Were there a lot of them? Yes. Okay. And did you work a lot in tandem with other dogs at the time? No. You, normally when, when you work um, with the drug work, um, you work individually with the dog, just one dog and, and one handler. She did, she did come around. She did. Um, she was, she was very accepting of a couple of dogs in our, our canine unit that she could be around without, um, you know, being a crazy maniac, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she just, you know, solely kept to herself and, uh, you know, and just folk, we just focused on the work. Okay. And what about going when you were back sort of like uh, at your uh, office or headquarters and doing admin work, did she come into that center as well? Yes. Everywhere I went, she went with me. If, um, if I was in the office, she would come in and, uh, I did have a crate for some, there was a, an empty desk next to me and, and her thing was she would love to just jump up on the empty desk and just lay there. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty comical, especially when she, people would walk through the office and not realize she was there. And then she'd, you know, she'd move or jump up to say hi to them and, uh, scare the daylights out of guys when they walk by her. Yeah, oh, I like it. I haven't heard of too many using a using a desk as their own sort of like elevated platform. Yeah, that that was her choice. I didn't I didn't tell her to do it, but <laughs> and I like that it, that it wasn't discouraged either. So <laughs> now, now they they really they loved her. They loved when she ran through the office. And, you know, the guys loved to play with her. Um, she was she was a lot of fun. She had a good personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that there's different methods of uh scent detection do you want to uh, talk a little bit on 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 her if she thinks she had a preferred way of detecting or her stronger methods of working yeah when i when i first started with her um the only the only downfall i had with her was um her her uh her prey drive issue with other dogs and how she you know, she, she always wanted, she was, she would want to concentrate on the other, on, on dogs, hearing dogs barking, trying to get to those dogs instead of working drugs. Um, I worked in her down in, um, in Miss Jackson, Mississippi, my name is Randy Hare, who has this, uh, system called, um, um, on target where, uh, the dog works to get, um, directly as close to that source as possible. So they come in the area, they smell the drugs, and and you'll see right away by the change in your dog's behavior that they smell the drugs, and um, and they work to a, a certain, you know, a, a certain point where the, where where they will indicate, and um, the the method we use, they would actually work to not only get to the location, but get to where the strongest part of the odor was coming out. We did that with a um, with a row of boxes, about eight boxes on a rack, made out of wood, um, and each one had a hollow area in the middle and it, you had the ability to drop a tennis ball on a string into that area. And in that area was a, like a little plastic pod that held the odor of the drugs. And you would drop the ball to start with, you would drop the ball down into that area 
and bounce the ball around right there next to that pod where the drugs are. A dog comes up, grabs the ball, um, and, you, and you keep the dog there by playing tug of war right there where that pod is with the, uh, with the odor of the drugs. You do that a couple times and remove the, and, and then you remove the dog, bring the dog back maybe an hour later. And then you, uh, um, you, you may like, there, like I said, there's maybe eight boxes up on the rack. Um, the the uh, drugs might be in box number seven. So you take the ball and you bounce it in box number two. And then before the dog gets there, you take the, dog, the ball away. The dog comes up to box number two. There's no activity there. The ball's gone. And then they start checking every box. And then all of a sudden they get to the box where the odor is. And then it just, the light goes on. Like, oh yeah, I got to play tennis ball here where this, where the smell was. So I'm going to stay here. And then, and then they stay there. You reward them by giving them the ball and you, uh, you play tug of war right there again at, at the pod and, and you just keep repeating this game and repeating this game. Are you able to talk much about different successful finds that she had during her career? Um, yeah, she had um, her biggest uh, her biggest seizure was over at the Philadelphia airport. We were uh, what, we, what we call running luggage. There were there were uh, suitcases coming in from Puerto Rico, and we ran her um, by the suitcases, let her take a sniff of the suitcases, and. Um, while she was running running this this line of suitcases, she picked out three suitcases. We pulled all three suitcases out um, and look at them, and they're all brand new, identical suitcases. So we figured we had something here, so we sent them up onto the um, onto the conveyor belt, and two men pick up the suitcases. They go to leave. We stop them. We interview them. They refuse to let us search the suitcases, but because of uh, Kirby's indication. And other other factors um, during the interview, we decided that we would um, take the suitcases and subjects into the office, get a search warrant for the suitcases, and, and take things from there. My car was parked um, right there at the curb, and I had a, a a Ford Expedition, so the dog was all the way in the back. So I I had an empty back seat. So the two they put the two subjects in the back of my car, and while I'm sitting there, one of the guys uh, says to me, "Excuse me, am I here because of the officer dog?" Now he, he spoke Spanish. It was, it was a little broken up. And I said, um, the officer dog. He goes, yeah, the dog in the back. Is that why I'm here? I'm like, yeah, you could say that. And he goes, oh, well, that's a good dog. So I paused for a second. I looked at him. I said, what are you telling me? My dog's right. And he's like, oh. So he just gave it up, that, you know, by saying that. that, that you know, yeah, there's drugs in that suitcase. Your dog was right. Your dog hit on it. And, and, and that's why we're here. Like, it, 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 was, it was funny. Um, I've been in situations where, um, and I, and I work with the same guys over the years and I, um, these guys had started, I, I was tied up on something else. A couple guys had asked me, um, to bring Kirby to a search warrant. I got there at the tail end and they're packing everything up. And I said, well, we're done. You know, we got a little bit, not what we expected, but if you could want to run her through the house, go ahead and run her through the house. So I take her upstairs and I, and most of the Philly row homes are the same. So I systematically always start upstairs in the master bedroom, run the bedrooms down on the first floor and into the basement. So uh, I take her into the master bedroom. I don't even get the door shut. She rips the leash out of my hand, goes up under the bed and pulls out a bag containing $90,000 cash. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, and I open the door. I'm like, you missed something. And you got to hear the guys go downstairs. Like, is she kidding with us? So they come upstairs. They're like, unbelievable. I'm like, this is why you can't, you can't beat a dog. 
No. You know, you, you you need a dog if you search warrants. If it's not mine, you need you need a dog that knows what it's doing. And uh, you know, they laughed about it. And and a couple weeks later, they had a job where uh, they had stopped a a pickup truck, and they were searching it, and um, they couldn't they couldn't find what they were looking for. So I brought Kirby up, and um, Kirby started searching the car, and she went over to the. Uh, uh, glove box and, and start scratching on the glove box. Well, when she scratched the glove box, it opened and she's sticking her nose in the back of the glove box and she's going crazy. So uh, we pull her out of the, um, we pull her out of the car and um, we get a, uh, a pry bar and the actual like um, door of the airbag, we, we pop, we, we pop off. There are a couple of stolen guns in there and about, I think two or three kilos of cocaine. Wow. So where this truck had come from, they get a search warrant for this, uh, this place. And um, it's, it's actually a big warehouse. And they, they get the search warrant. And of course, I'm going to hang around because I, you know, I really want the dog to run this, this, this warehouse when, when they get the search warrant. And I, I take her into the warehouse and there's probably a dozen, dozen vehicles in there and, and, and different, different things throughout the, the um the warehouse. So she goes in and she's like, you know, she's pretty much like, there's something here, there's something here, there's something here. And she's, you know, running through the warehouse, just indicating left and right. So we mark all the places and, and the guys are going to go back and search. And she had, um, the way the warehouse was set up, there was a, uh, there was a bathroom and it was like, just like, you know, like almost like a small little shed inside the, the warehouse and had its own roof about eight feet high. And, and the warehouse ceiling had to be 20 feet high. So, um, I, uh, I, as I'm talking, she goes into the bathroom and she starts jumping up and doing backflips off the, off the wall of the bathroom. So I go over and uh, grab her and I said, Hey, you guys might want to check the ceiling of the bathroom. And, you know, so, so they took note of it and I stayed while they were searching and helped out. So what happened was um, one of the guys gets on the ladder and goes up and he's standing on it's, it's, it's plywood on top of this um, ceiling. So he's standing actually on like basically the roof of this uh, bathroom. And he's like, Chris, I'm up here. He goes, it's just plywood. Everything seems fine. I'm like, all right, well, maybe she's smelling the odor from something else moving around in the, uh, in the warehouse. So I, uh, when we got done, um, you know, we're, we're packing everything up. And I said, oh, what'd you guys get out of the bathroom? What are you talking about? I said, the bathroom, what'd you guys get? We're here as the, um, as the agent was getting down off the uh, bathroom um, ceiling, uh, you know, roof there, he sat down and the plywood was being held down by like a pressure lock. So he sat down on the plywood, got onto the ladder and didn't realize it. Well, the pressure lock released and there's a hydraulic arm and the, uh, and the, 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 the roof, one of the pieces of plywood on the roof just started slowly going up. <laughs> and there was a, I think it's like a half kilo of crack and some money and, and uh, like a kilo of cocaine up there. Mm. And, but it, it, it was, it was comical. And you know, it's something like they said, we would have never found it if it wasn't for the dog. Oh, nice. Nice. Did you ever have any sort of like run-ins while there were still suspects around when she was doing any searching? Um, not really. Um, she never really came out of the car unless everybody was secure. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and, and the scene, the scene was safe. She, she didn't do the patrol work and the thing. So I, 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 she wasn't put in that position. Okay. Were you ever worried that, that someone would intentionally booby trap a, an area for a search dog? 
Um, I did have I did have a few incidents where um, it wasn't necessarily a booby trap, but let's face it when you're when you're bringing the dog and obviously the dog's looking for drugs, but I, I always I always walk a house first. I, I open every door of the house. I you know I I I walk a house without the dog, and then I go and get the dog. Um, I had one instance where um, she jumped on top of a bed where there was a bunch of stuff on top of a bed, and she put her her paw had gone into a duffel bag, and she pulled it out and it was covered in cocaine. Um, you know, so they, and I always try to have somebody there with me while I'm searching. So uh, you know, I grabbed her right away to make sure she didn't put her nose to her paw or you know lick her paw or whatever, and. And the the, the uh, other officer with me ran and got um, something to clean her up with. Um, I had an incident once where uh, she went into a closet and her, um, the door had opened up into the closet. And on that back handle of the door, there was a bag hanging with uh, small glassine baggies of, of cocaine. And so she went into the closet around the back of the door and actually... Um, grabbed the bag, it was like a, you know, a plastic shopping bag and pulled back. But when she pulled back, white powder was flying all over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it scared the daylights out of me. I, um, you know, so I, I grab her right away so that she can't, you know, lick or, or, you know, inhale anything and, um, you know, yelled, yelled for help. And the guys ran in and, uh, you know, helped me clean her up and, and make sure that, uh, you know, she, she was okay. I never had to, I never got to the point where I had to actually like rush her into the vet because of any type of exposure. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the vet. Did she have to go to the vet for any other sort of health issues? Uh, no, you know, she was the healthiest dog I ever owned. Um, she had one little um, skin tag on the inside of her eye that, um, that you know, they, they wanted to remove. They said it could be cancer, could not be cancer. We're not sure. So the only time during her career that, um, you know, she really needed other than, other than her shots and checkups was, uh, was for the skin tag on her eye. And then um, the uh, the skin tag was removed and everything was fine. Um, there were no further issues with it. And then um, just after she retired, she had um, she started limping. I took her to the vet and then we found a tumor on her toe. Mm. I, um, I reached out to a guy that I um, found on the internet that lived down in New Mexico. Um, and he was a border patrol agent and he had a nonprofit that paid for, um, you know, it's, it's stuff like this for a retired police dog. And I reached out to him. He agreed to pay the bill. And he did. And then um, after that, I met Jason Johnson from Project Canine Hero. And um, and he adopted Kirby into his program. And he paid for the rest of Kirby's vet bills. But there uh, there really wasn't much. She was just, she was overall healthy and, uh, you know, lived to just after 15 years old. Okay. And at, at what age did Kirby retire? Uh, she was about 12 when she was uh, not 12, around 11 or 12 when she retired. Okay. Um, going back a, a little bit, did it take long to her to, to settle in eventually with the other dogs in your home? Um, it, it probably took about six months for everybody to understand the situation. Um, the funniest was I had her, I had the other dogs away and I, you know, I wanted her to get to know the house. So I was watching TV. I was letting her run loose and I look over and there was nothing on my kitchen counter, but I don't know that she'd ever been at a house before because she was standing on the kitchen counter. <laughs> I'm like, well, why are you doing that? And she's like, she's just, she's just standing there. Like this is the place to stand at the moment. And uh, it, it, it was, it was funny. And then um, one time she was in the, in the front living room of the house and I went 
through the dining room to the sliding back door, opened it up, um, said, come on, you want to go outside? And she walks her to the living room, goes up, walks over the, across the kitchen table, down the other side of the kitchen table and out the back door. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe she did that. But here, I'm, 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 I'm like guessing she had never been in a house before. So I, I just laughed. I mean, she didn't do any damage. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. So, um, <clears throat> apart from the the liking of going up and over tables and and kitchen benches, would, what would uh, you say that her other sort of like unique habits would be? Um. There, there wasn't anything other than, um, you know, her just kind of adapting to, you know, life in the house that she did, she never really had any crazy habits. She had a, um, she learned to have an off switch when we came into the house that, you know, we were done working and we we're going to chill out and, you know, and then when it was time to work, we worked. Do you recall one of the longer sort of like searches that, that you guys would have been on that, that didn't result in anything and, and did that have any sort of frustration at the end? No, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not frustrating. I mean, sometimes it's, it's very difficult. I, here's a, a frustrating case. It's, it, was, it wasn't long-term, but uh, there was a, a minivan on a street and a, confident, a confidential informant for DEA said that, you know, there's probably about 60 kilograms of cocaine in this minivan. So they called me and Kirby was very good at, I didn't have to like put her in search mode. If we were walking and she smelled drugs, she just automatically, she was so obedient to the odor of drugs, she would just automatically, the switch would go on and she's like, hey, I smell something and she would go to it. Mm. It, it happened several times at the Philadelphia airport. So I kind of nonchalantly walk her by this van, like I'm out for a walk with her and she shows no interest in it. So then I, and when I get down the end of the block, I come back and I walk her down the other side of uh, the cars so she can smell the other side of the car. She doesn't give me any interest. So we go back, we talk about it. We're like, well, you know, the, the gig's kind of up. Why don't you just take the dog and do a, a thorough search of the vehicle? So I take her over and I, I run her around the car clockwise. I run her around counterclockwise. I have her, you know, I, you know, I made sure she checked the, you know, the bottom undercarriage. I made sure I, I even, it was a small minivan. I made sure she ran over the top of it and uh, she gave me nothing. So I turn around to the agents. I said, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I, I'm getting nothing here. And, uh, they were frustrated and it was also a compliment because um, a Philadelphia police officer is going to write a search warrant if Kirby had given an indication to this, to this minivan. So the, um, the agent, DEA agent calls this Philadelphia police officer says, Hey, Kirby didn't hit, get me another dog that'll hit on the car. So the, um, so the officer goes, uh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. He said, if Kirby says no, it's no. So um, under different laws and everything, the, the vehicle wasn't properly registered. So, they towed it and there's something called an um, inventory search where you, you check a car that goes into, into storage because there could be things of value in it. Um, not necessarily drugs, but I mean, somebody says, hey, you know, I had a $10,000 diamond ring in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuff like that you have to look for. So they, they do a cursory search of the, of the vehicle and under the seat is a, is a duffel bag and they open it up and there's, um, I believe it was six, um, six packages consistent with the way... Um, kilograms of cocaine are, are packaged. So the agent's like, oh, you know, he goes, I knew it was in here. I knew it was in here. So they open up the, um, they, they do what's called a field test to check to see what the drugs are in the, in the um, packaging. And um, everything came up negative. You know, no drugs were identified. 
So I look into it further and I discover that more than likely it's probably pancake mix. Mm-hmm. And somebody was setting somebody up and, you know, in, in this situation, I guess to see if they would rat on them. And um, so the next morning uh, an email was put out in the DEA saying that that, that group that had seized that, that vehicle was going to do a pancake breakfast for the whole DEA office. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty comical. So I'm going to go back to something you mentioned and flip with the, Ever a time when you guys were out somewhere not on duty and she indicated? Um, there, uh, there was a time, um, it, it, it was, it was a small amount, but we were, um, we stopped by a friend's, um, a friend's, uh, um, restaurant for lunch. And I was actually sitting with a, a couple of other police officers and, um, you know, my friend knew what we did for a living, obviously. And this guy, these two guys come in and, and Kirby, it was around people so much. She didn't, she didn't really like, you know, zero in on people when they walked into a room. And these two guys walk by her and all of a sudden you see the head go up and the nose starts tingling. And, and all the guys sitting with me, you know, we all look down at her <laughs> and she gets up and, and, and she, and then she sits down, she's looking at these guys. And uh, so I, you know, I accidentally dropped a leash and she goes over. And um, when the guy sat down, his, his pockets kind of like opened up a little bit on his, on his pants and, uh, she went over and, and she she sticks her nose right on the edge of, of the pocket of his pants, <laughs> and uh, you know so I jump up and grab her real quick because her when she indicates she scratches and I didn't want her scratching him, and uh, you know the bartender said you know that 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 is a police dog and and the guy's like yeah he goes that that's a drug dog, <laughs> and the guy got up and ran out of the bar. Uh, <laughs> there was anything in his pocket it was very small so you know we just kind of laughed about it. <laughs> Um, how was Kirby when it came to maintenance and grooming and things like that? Um, you know, she was really low maintenance. She had, a, she had a really nice coat. Um, I didn't, um, you know, she stayed in the house with me. She was in my car with me all the time. She never got that dirty or muddy. Um, on occasion I would give her a bath, but she was, I mean, she was, she was a great dog that way. She wasn't, she wasn't smelly. She wasn't, um, she was, she was not high maintenance at all. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, every once, once or twice a week, I'd run a brush over and, and, you know, get the shedding out. But other than that, she was, uh, it was very easy with her. Okay. So you, you, you mentioned bath. When you guys were out in, in some downtime, did she enjoy water? Um, she, um, she would come to Maine with me and I have a friend that actually has a private island here and she would love to run around on the rocks and the coast of the water, but she did not care to go in the water. Okay. She just, uh, you know, she she'd go in maybe you know six inches a foot. That was it. She she had no desire to swim. Mm-hmm. So she did some hiking and stuff like that with you as well, or yeah, on on our off time, um, we went hiking. I had a um, I had a camper and then an RV while I had her. So we uh, we spent a lot of time um, traveling in the RV. She loved it. Um, I would stack stuff around the, the front pa- passenger seat of the R- RV and she would, uh, she was my co-pilot. She just, uh, you know, she laid on the seat there and, and looked out the window. Oh, nice. Nice. Do you think she would have had a favorite place that you visited? I think her favorite place was probably my friend's Island because she just had the freedom to run and do what she wanted. It was, um, you know, it, like she said, it's about probably about 10 acres and, and she just, uh, she would just love to, to rip around the island and, uh, you know, play on the rocks and, 
you know, it, it was great to see her, like, you know, enjoy herself outside of work. Yeah, sounds like a really nice spot. Um, were there any other animal species there on the island that she interacted with? No, no, no other animals. <laughs> Guessing that would have been interesting with her high drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she did. She did have an encounter once with a groundhog. Um, well, actually, she had two encounters. She did have an encounter with a groundhog, and um, the groundhog lost. And then one day um, in my backyard, I don't know why the skunk decided it was going to try to walk through my backyard, and I didn't see it, and I let her out. And she got into a, a little scuffle with the, with the skunk, and I didn't I didn't see it directly when it first happened. Of course, I smelled it. And um, after the, the fight had broken up and she came back to the house, I, I took her out and um, washed her in. There's like a, like a concoction people make up of Dawn dishwashing liquid, peroxide, and uh, baking soda to help get the odor out. So I washed her up real good with that, and uh, she seemed fine. It was a Friday morning. We were off for the weekend. By Sunday night, she wouldn't eat, and she was acting funny. She always ate. So uh, I... Um, I spoke to the supervisor who said, you know, if you feel you need to take her to the vet, take her to the vet. We have 24 hour emergency vets in our area. So I figured I'll, I'll wait and see how she's doing in the morning. Checked on her in the middle of the night. You know, she, she was in her crate. She, you know, she sat up and uh, everything seemed fine. Went back to bed. Well, the next morning she was like a rag doll. I couldn't even get her to stand. Mm. I, every time I got her up, you know, all four feet under her, she collapsed. So I rushed her to the emergency vet and um, explained the situation with the skunk and as I was petting her, I could feel almost like a scab on her back. And I said, I don't know what the scab is. It's, it's um, I don't remember feeling this before. So the vet starts shaving that area and shaving that area and shaving that area. I guess what happened was when she grabbed the skunk, I guess she had, you know, had not gotten a skunk by the back of the neck at first. Well, the skunk had, um, had chewed up her shoulder and, and she must have been bit probably 10, 20 times. She was getting infected, and that's why she wasn't feeling well. Mm. So she went on antibiotics. We rehydrated her, and she was fine. Do you think with the the skunk attack and the that sort of assault on her senses, any sort of ill effect on her searching ability in that sort of like first few days or anything after that? Yeah, she seemed she seemed fine after that. Question I asked everyone, and and it's a it's I'm probably not. Got a feeling I'm not going to get. Well, I'll ask anyway. But it's to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. Yeah, and, and I and I saw that. And the funny thing is, she's never had that issue. Yeah, she's, she, she's not that type of dog to eat anything. Uh, there's a lot of the a lot of the more say the the professional working dogs. They, mm. I don't get that an answer from that mostly, and that's a good thing. Yeah, been some other uh, dogs that, that 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 say even pet dogs know they've never picked anything up, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I've had dogs that eat some crazy things, but not this one. <laughs> so, did she start to interact a, a lot more over time with the other dogs that you did have in the household, or that just did, did take a long, long time? Um, she did. My um. When, when, when I got her, the other dogs were older and, um, and, you know, so they had passed when I, when she was young. And then I got a, um, a male golden retriever puppy and she just absolutely fell in love with him. 
they, those two like off duty at the house were inseparable. If one was in a room, the other one was in a room. They just, um, I didn't, I didn't like physically let them play together until she, the, the puppy was six months old. But um, they, I mean, they were just, they were together all the time. Um, you know, she absolutely, she absolutely loved being around him. Oh, nice. And, and then what, when I got um, the, the partner that I retired with, uh, Karma, she's, she's a shepherd. I got her as a puppy. And people always say female German shepherd against female German shepherd. They're not going to get along. Well, I, I was surprised because I, what I did was I put their crates next to each other and she watched the puppy grow up. And when the puppy, you know, was a little older, um, probably about six, seven months, I, I uh, physically introduced them to each other and the puppy jumped on her head once and she took the puppy and, and pinned the puppy to the ground and it was over. They were best friends after that. Over the 10 years or so, how would you have, say, compared her with some of the other dogs that were doing similar sort of work in your area? Um, you know, everybody in our area, we, we, we kind of, we, we work together when, when, you know, somebody's having an issue with a dog and, and uh, I, we had a really strong canine unit in our department and, and, and she was, um, she had the experience of going out and, and doing crazy jobs that, um, she had, she had a crazy one at the airport one day, actually inside a plane, but, um, but, uh, she was, uh, you know, she was maybe a step ahead of them a little bit because she did it so much compared to a lot of other dogs that maybe only got one, maybe two jobs a, a week or a month or within a month, but she was constantly, constantly going. Okay. And, you know, I always made my, I tried, tried my best to make myself available to, uh, whenever she was needed whether it was the middle of the night or, or, um, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, I always answered the phone and I always tried to get there. And if I couldn't, I, I never had any reservations of sending another, um, officer from my police department that, that had a dog because I had trained the dogs. I, I knew what they were capable of. And I knew the handlers had the confidence to go out and do it. So, <laughs> so was there ever an instance where she failed to go into a, an area to do a no, search? She, she, she was pretty much what I would call bomb proof. She just, um, you know, if you, if you sent her somewhere, she went, she never, um, she never balked really. She just, uh, she, you know, she always went forward. Excellent. Did you notice much of a difference in her personality when she stopped working professionally? Not really. I think, I think, you know, she was, she was starting to get older and then, you know, she, she always, you know, she always worked and she always went forward for me, but I think, uh, you know, she, she was getting older and she was feeling it and, uh, she really, she had no complaints. I mean, I, um, you know, she started staying home and, and, and she seemed okay with it right away. She didn't get destructive. She, uh, she was always loose in the house and she just never, it just, it never really phased her. Mm -hmm. When she was in her retirement at home, what was her sort of favorite things to do that she could then do more of? Um, we made, I made sure she got out every night for, for a nice long walk. And she actually lo she loved that. She loved seeing people in my neighborhood. Um, I, but I think her all time thing was, you know, is, it was the camping, you know, going out in the camper and, and, and going camping. So I started getting that camper ready and she got all hyped up and, and couldn't wait to get in it. Nice, nice. Did the spots when you went camping were they uh, sort of like 
popular spots or there were more sort of like private areas? Um, I spent a lot of time in private areas at, at French properties in Maine um, when I came up to Maine um, prior to moving here. Um, I've, I've, I have friends that, you know, have like a hundred acres and, you know, I, I would, I would park there this way. You know, the dogs had the opportunity to run and everything, which you can't really let happen in campground. <laughs> so in the camper, when you did those trips, how, how many dogs came with you? Um, two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Is there anything else that's coming to mind that you'd like to share about Kirby? Um, well, in, back in, in 2012, my DEA supervisor had, um, nominated her for an award with the American Kennel Club called the ACE Award, which is, which stands for the Award for Canine Excellence, um, where they pick one police dog a year to, to win this award. And, um, back in 2012, she, um, she was awarded that, uh, um, that title as their, um, ACE Award winner. And, um, so we, we flew down to Florida for, uh, for the show where, you know, they taped the show and everything. And then, uh, in February, 2013, it was on TV. Wow. That's, that's very prestigious. Go on on a limb here and say your proudest moment with her. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was. So did, did you have to do much press and that with her after that? Um, I did the, the, uh, the local news channels, um, down in Philadelphia ran, ran the story part just prior to her being on TV prior to the, uh, to the show. And then, uh, myself and the canine unit, we all got together and had a little party and, um, with some other friends and, uh, and supporters and, uh, and watched the show on TV together. Uh, really, really nice. And I, uh, know you did something a little bit different to, uh, request from another event that you guys attended. The, um, the, the German Shepherd Dog Club of America had, um, had honored her at their hundred year anniversary and, you know, they had her at the show and everything. And then, um, after she passed, they had reached out to me and asked me, you know, they said, oh, you know, write up something about Kirby. We want to put it in our, um, you know, in our, in our quarterly magazine newsletter thing. So I, instead of just saying, yeah, Kirby did this and Kirby did that. I mean, she was responsible for over $105 million in seizures. I actually wrote an open letter to her of our life together. And I, um, and, and I, and I unfolded it to, um, uh, the German Shepherd Dog Club of America and they loved it. And then I, um, I made a copy of it. I, I, I sent a copy of it to Jason at Project Canine Hero and he loved it. And then once Kirby had pat, you know, Kirby had obviously passed when I wrote the letter. So he, um, he had a friend who's an artist. He, Jason took a canvas and had the, the letter, um, printed on the back of this canvas with the American flag in the background, a faded American flag in the background. And then his friend um, did an, um, an acrylic painting over top of the, uh, over top of the painting, um, uh, over top of the, the canvas. And it, it's absolutely beautiful. Wow. That sounds it. And I, like I said, it's like, it's any copy of the, uh, the letter. It's pretty neat. I would, I would love to, to read that. Thank you. You mentioned now that you're doing your own training business. Would you like to let people know how they could get in contact with you? 
Um, I do have a, a website out there. Um, the name of the business is, is Stone Coast Dog Training out of South Thomaston, Maine. And, um, uh, you know, if you, if you jump on uh, Facebook or the, um, or just uh, Google it, it'll come up and, uh, you know, just reach out to me. Oh, fantastic. And would Kirby have any part of inspiring that? Um, she did. Um, I, I, all my dogs played a part into it, uh, played a part of it. Um, I, I, I retired in, in, um, December, 2019. And, um, and I was up here, I was having a house built all through COVID. And then, um, you know, just talking to people in the area, everybody's like, Oh, you got to start a dog business up here. You got to start, start a dog training business up here. We have nobody to go to, to deal with, you know, behavioral issues and obedience and, and everything. So I started looking into it more and more and, um, you know, did some research through COVID and went and met with a really great trainer by the name of Robin McFarland out of, um, out of Dubuque, Iowa. And, and she's, she's a, she's a guru when it comes to the e-collar. So I reached out to her. I didn't know her. She agreed to let me come out. So in April I went out and, uh, you know, learn, um, what it was like to, to run a pet dog business. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, she, uh, made me well-versed on using, uh, the e-collar, the remote collars. And, uh, I came back, announced the business in May, and it took off like like wildfire. Oh, congratulations on that. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much again. I very much enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Thank you to our new listeners in Barnett in the UK and Athens, not in Greece yet, but in the US. As per usual, if you could share this episode with a friend, uh, let people know how awesome dogs are, I would really appreciate it. Also, if you would like, feel free to leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. <laughs>